getting fit, getting your body moving, drinking water, and walking and doing these things. Praise the Lord. Well, I believe that this week as well that the Word of God can minister to us and impress upon us things that we need to change. God bless you, and you may be seated. As we mentioned, God's plan is for you to have abundant, abundant life or life overflowing in all of its fullness. We also mentioned the fact that our life itself is a witness to the world, that people who are lost, people who are trapped by the enemy, people who are just living their life in this world should recognize from our life something different. And as a product of seeing our life, they should desire to look into what we have. In order for this to happen, we have got to be fit for life. As we talked about last week, our health and happiness, looking good and feeling good and feeling good and looking good, has to do with being fit in our body and that God does care about our body. And even though our flesh sometimes is a problem in our spiritual walk, we don't hate our body, but rather we see it as a gift from God and take care of it as a temple that God dwells in. But together with the fitness of body, today we are going to talk about fitness in your soul. God wants you to be fit and prepared for life, to experience abundance of life in the area of your soul. Everyone say soul. You may wonder what is meant by the soul. The soul is simply your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your emotional being and your mental capacity is called your soul. See, if you're depressed all the time, if you're continuously stressed out, if you're bitter about something or at someone, this is not a very good witness to the world, okay? You may say, but pastor, I pray, I, I fast, I do my tithing, I attend church, I read my Bible, I try to live righteously. All of that is very, very important. But if you do all of these things and you're still bitter, or if you're perennially depressed or full of anxiety and fear and worry, people will be unlikely to respond to your witness, regardless of the fact that you may pray and attend church and do all the things that you're supposed to do. Why? Because your life is not attractive to them. This is why we are emphasizing total fitness this month, rather than just emphasizing only those things that make for spirituality. There should be fitness of body, fitness of soul, and fitness of spirit. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, we read last week that it says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body. Everybody say spirit, soul, and body. God is concerned about your spirit, your soul, and your body. May it be kept blameless until that day when our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. So before we can talk about fitness of the soul... I need to uh, do a little detail work for you because many people cannot differentiate between their soul and their spirit. They think that their soul is the same as their spirit. And for many years growing up, even into my teenage years, maybe even into my 20s, I didn't have an understanding of the difference between the soul and the spirit. Before we get into our study today, you need to understand that there is a difference between your soul 
and spirit. Your body is the container that you live in. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your spirit is that invisible part of you that is able to connect to the living God. The spiritual part of you is the part that connects to God. So as I'm, uh, uh, your soul is not automatically spiritual. Your soul can either be fleshly, which we call carnal, or your soul can be spiritual. Now your spirit, which is your connection to God, is either dead or alive. Your soul is not dead or alive. Your soul is alive as long as you're alive. Your soul is either carnal or spiritual. Everybody got that? You can be sitting there today looking at me and breathing and your spirit is dead. What does that mean? That means your connection to God is severed. Just like when Adam and Eve were cast from the garden, it was a spiritual death because of sin. But their soul, their mind, will, and emotions were still alive. But they simply, from that point on, only took care of their fleshly part. So your soul is the real person who you are. Your person, your soul, your mind, your emotions can either be very spiritual or it can be very carnal. But it's your soul. It's who you are. The thoughts that you have, amen, is your soul. The emotions that you have is the real person. Now, the soul is centered in the human brain, the mind and the emotions. The cognitive activity that takes place inside of your thick skull is your soul. Soul is centered in the gray matter of the brain. The brain controls the central nervous system and the peripheral nervous system, and essentially regulates virtually all human activity. Every decision, every thought, all of these things happen in your mind, which is your soul. So can you see now why it would be important for your soul to be fit as well as your body? That you would not have problems in your mind and your emotions that create problems for you. And so we are talking about your mind, your thoughts, and your feelings. This is your soul. Does everybody have it? Are you with me? Can you understand what your soul is? It's your mind, your will, your thoughts, your emotions. This is your soul. The spirit is my connection to God, and my body is my physical container. Now, the soul is between your flesh, your body, and the spirit which has a hunger and a connection for God. And so you are either going to be owned by your flesh and the enemy of your soul, which is Satan, or you could end up being owned by God, God possessing you. Now you have to make that decision. Either God's going to control me or my flesh is going to control me. You know, there's a battle on for you. There is a battle for you. God wants to possess you. He wants you to be his servant. In the meantime, your flesh and the enemy of your soul, which is Satan, wants to possess you as well. Satan often works through your flesh, and God reaches for you through your spirit. But you know where the battleground is for this battle? The battleground for you takes place in your soul, in your mind, your will, and your emotions. So on one side is my flesh. 
On the other side is my spirit. My flesh is led by lust and sometimes deceived by the enemy. My spirit hungers for God. And in the middle is the battleground. In the middle is where the lines of demarcation are drawn, where the front line of battle is taking place in my mind, my will, and my emotions, in my soul. It's actually the, the battleground for who's going to own me. Who possesses me? The battle is taking place in my mind. See, Satan wants you to be depressed. He wants you to be full of negativity, full of worry and anxiety. He wants you to be bitter and resentful and full of fear. Why? Because he came to kill, steal, and to destroy. Not just your body, but also your soul. He wants to kill your mind and your emotions. He wants to steal things from your mind and your emotions. He wants to destroy your mind and your emotions. Do you believe what I'm telling you today? Satan desires to destroy your soul. His purpose was to kill and to steal and to destroy the good things that God has put in your emotions and in your mind. But God, on the other hand, as the verse of Scripture we read at the beginning, wants you to be happy and healthy and at peace in your mind and in your emotions. Clap your hands if you believe that. So the war that is raging within you and about you is the battle for your mind, for what is in my head. Satan is, is very crafty. He's very knowledgeable. He knows that if he can control and manipulate how I think, then he can control and manipulate my whole life. Let, let, me, let me shift it over to you. If Satan can control and manipulate the way that you think, then he can basically get in the driver's seat and control your life because your thoughts, however it is that you think, determines your actions and your attitude and your self-image. And essentially, eventually, your thoughts control your destiny. Now, here's good news and bad news. Everybody ready for good news and bad news? What do you want first, good news or bad news? Okay, here's the good news. For fitness of soul. We talked about fitness of body. I told you it's a pretty easy thing to figure out how to stay fit in your body. The good news is fitness of the soul is easy to discover and understand. Very simple. It's real simple to discover and understand how to be fit in your soul, in your mind and emotion. But here's the bad news. Are you ready for the bad news? The bad news is, even though it's easy to understand and discover, it's not that easy to implement the key to having health in your mind and your soul. But thank God it's not impossible. Amen? Hallelujah. So you're saying, okay, Pastor, what is this key that is easy to understand and discover, difficult to implement? What is this key to fitness of my mind, will, and emotions? The key is learning how to think the right thought. You still with me? The key to emotional fitness and mental fitness is learning how to think the right thoughts. If you learn how to think the right thoughts, you can defeat depression. Can I get an amen? You can defeat bitterness in your life. You can defeat worry. 
and you can destroy all the negative things that control your mind and your emotions. I'm going to say that again because if you learn how to think the right thoughts, you can defeat depression, bitterness, worry, and all the negative things that control your mind and your emotions. I'm going to prove to you that it can be done and that it's God's will for this to happen. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, the Bible says, Be not conformed to this world. How many believe that's true? It says, But be ye transformed or changed by the renewing of your mind. How are we changed? We are changed by the renewing of our mind. I'm telling you that your brain and your thoughts are very important to what God's plan is for your life. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is a good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Let me read to you that same verse, Romans 12, 2 from the New Living's Translation. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Are you with me? God's plan is to change you into a new person by changing the way that you think. If you think the right way, if you think God's way, then he can change you into the person that he wants you to be. But if you insist on thinking the way that you've been brought up thinking, or thinking the way that you're used to or in the habit of thinking, then you can stay the same person that you are. In order for God's will to be done in your life, you have to let him mess with your mind. You have to let him change the way that you think. Changing the way that you think. I want to show you how important your way of thinking is. I also want to prove to you that you get to choose your thoughts. Somebody says, well, it's great, Pastor, but I have no control over my thoughts. And I have no control over what happens in my mind or my emotions. You get to choose what you think. You get to choose your thoughts. And finally, I want to give you some practical tips on how to train your mind to think the way that Jesus thought. Amen? And in the process, I'm going to show you how to defeat negativity, how to defeat depression, how to overcome worry and anxiety, how to defeat resentment, how to get rid of these things and be fit for life in the area of your soul. Hallelujah. Clap your hands if you want to hear what God has to say. First of all, the importance of your way of thinking in your thoughts. See, this is what controls your soul is how you think. And uh, our thoughts are like a magnet. Because whatever we think about, we tend to draw these things into our life. The Bible says in Proverbs 23 and 7, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks, that's what he becomes. So in essence, thoughts have a creative power to affect your destiny. Whatever you're thinking about, however you are thinking, is the direction that you are going to go. I see people who struggle spiritually all the time, and their struggles would be minimized, if not completely destroyed, if they learned how to control their thinking, if they learned how to watch what they were thinking and not let their mind get negative, not let their mind get resentful or hateful. They could live in victory. Amen? Thoughts have creative power, and our thoughts, here's the cool part. This is why I think 
controlling the way you're thinking will get you fit for life in the area of your soul. Because not only do your thoughts control your mind, but your thoughts have tremendous influence over your emotions as well. What you think about affects how you feel. Somebody said, I've told you this before, but somebody said, I have an emotional problem. What's your emotional problem? Well, I, I feel sad all the time. Well, what do you think about? I think about sad things. I think about how my life's a mess and how things are getting worse and how there's sickness here and despair here. And, and I get so depressed and I get feeling so bad. I've got an emotional problem. You don't have an emotional problem. Your emotions are working just fine. Because you know what emotions are? Emotions are what God has given you so you can feel however you're thinking. So you can feel how you're thinking. So if you're thinking depressing thoughts, you're going to get emotionally depressed. It works good. So the flip side is true as well. If I think positive, encouraging, victorious, and faith-filled thoughts, then my emotions are going to follow suit. Amen? You can't be happy without thinking happy thoughts. Amen? And you cannot be depressed without thinking depressing thoughts. Listen to me. You cannot be depressed without thinking depressing thoughts. And no one is forcing you to be depressed. No one is forcing you to be unhappy. The only one who can improve it is you. You're saying, no, if my wife would straighten up or if my husband would improve things or if my kids would straighten up, then I wouldn't be so depressed. No, you can't be placing the blame uh, around you for how you're going to feel and how you, who, who you're going to be. You have control over that. I said you have control over that. And as long as you turn that control for your emotional fitness or your soul fitness over to someone else, then you're going to continue to ebb and flow with what's happening around you. But a child of God is like Jesus Christ who can be in the midst of the most difficult situation in his life and still be speaking encouraging words. Why? Because his emotional center is not based on somebody who just slapped him. Or call him a name or hit him with a whip. Or what's happening around him, the friends that walked away from him. Jesus' emotional center was based on the thoughts and the glory that was set before him. The church that he was purchasing. He said, I'm not going to think about the fact that I'm being mistreated or I'm being hurt. But in essence, he said, I'm thinking about something that is good. And in the midst of the most difficult situation that anybody could ever go through. Jesus was able to escape depression. He was able to escape despair. You have to take responsibility for your own happiness. You never will experience change if you continue to make excuses and blame your family tree or blame your environment or blame some past relationships or abusive situations in your past or experiences from your past or blame God or blame Satan or blame anyone else. As long as you're blaming somebody... For your own happiness or lack thereof, you're never going to experience a change. And you may say, but Pastor, that's easy for you to say. You have a pretty nice life. But my circumstances have me down, and I'm feeling defeated. The things that are happening in my life have me discouraged and defeated. The circumstances of my situation have me discouraged and defeated. I beg to differ with you. Your circumstances don't have you discouraged. 
It's your thoughts about your circumstances that have you discouraged. I'm challenging you today, if you want to be fit mentally and emotionally, if you want to be fit in the arena of your soul, you have to start thinking about what you're thinking about. Ooh, that's like going up another level. Here I am thinking, but now I'm going to stop and think about what I'm thinking about. See, because if you can think about what you're thinking about, you put yourself in a position of control about your soul, control about your emotions, and control about your mental uh, capacity and thoughts. Ephesians 4.22, hold that thought. Ephesians 4.22 says, Throw off your old evil nature and your former way of life, which is rotten through and through, full of lust and deception. Instead, there must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitude. I've got to renew, replenish, refresh my thoughts and attitudes. I need to make it a point to know how am I thinking, what kind of an attitude am I displaying. Say, well, I can't control that. That's just me. That's just me. I'm just expressing myself and I don't feel good. You're going to know it, Pastor. Thank you very much. At least you ain't going to stab me in the back. But the reality is you're never going to change until you begin to think about, why am I having this attitude? Why am I thinking these thoughts? Why am I struggling with this? See, you may be a Christian. You may be bought by the blood of Jesus, and you may be on your way to heaven, and at the same time you're still having tremendous problems in your life. Many times the source of that problem, these problems, is that you've not learned to control your thoughts. Are you with me? See, I'm reminded, this isn't in my notes, but I'm reminded that after the Lord helped the children of Israel possess the promised land, he left some things around for them to deal with. He said, I want you to dispossess the rest. I took care of the stronghold that you couldn't handle, but I'm leaving the rest in your hands to deal with. And while the Lord Jesus took care of our sin problem, something we couldn't deal with, he wants us to work with him to take care of your thinking problem. That's right. I didn't say drinking problem. I said thinking problem. Your thinking problem is causing you more problems than you could ever imagine. Think about what you're thinking about, and you may discover why you're having so much trouble in your life. Why? Because your mind is a mess. You're thinking about the wrong thing. And you're saying, but pastor, that's all great, but I have no control over what's going on in my mind. I can't control it. Uh, It's beyond me. But I want uh, you to know that Satan is trying to deceive you into believing that it's beyond your control. Satan wants you to think that you're unhappy because of what's going on around you, when really your unhappiness is a result of what's going on inside of you, in your thinking, your thoughts. Because your life tends to move in the direction of the most dominant thought that you have and the things that you think about the most. If you think about the impending possibility of despair or financial ruin, guess what? Your life is going to move in that direction. If you think in the direction of impending failure of health and sickness, then your life is going to move in the direction of your thoughts. How many know that this is true? Your life tends to move in the direction. I'm talking about getting fit. Just like in physical fitness. Physical fitness. If I'm fat and sloppy and uh, my complexion is bad and, I, and I'm all the time looking badly and just don't care, it's not going to affect whether or not I go to heaven. But it's going to affect my wit. 
and it's going to affect whether I enjoy abundance in life. And this is what I'm talking about as well. Amen? I believe you can be unfit in your soul, have mental problems and, and emotional issues, and still go to heaven. But in order to experience fitness of life, that everybody says, that's what I want to be, that's what I want to be like, then you've got to at some point begin to think about what you're thinking about. Because until I control my thoughts and begin to have certain control over the way that I think and the way uh, uh, that I deal with issues and situations in life, I cannot change anything. See, we tend to meditate on our problems. The word meditate means to reflect or ponder on our problems. Another, another issue is that we tend to think in pattern. Can, it, can anybody relate to this? I mean, this is just something that I've experienced in my own life, that I can start thinking a certain way. See, because I stepped back and I thought about what I was thinking about. And I realized, you know what, I can start thinking a certain way and begin feeling a certain way and go into like a, negative spiral like an airplane about to crash in the ocean and just all the air, all of my excitement, all of my faith, all of my uh, uh, passion for life just drains out of me because of the way I'm thinking. See, before I didn't realize that. But now I realize by thinking about what I'm thinking about that I can get into a certain pattern and begin to think about certain things and get nervous about certain things and get full of anxiety and worry about certain things or get depressed or negative about certain things and find myself time and time again, day after day, until that becomes my life and who I am. Amen? We tend to think in patterns and we get addicted to certain ways of thinking. We can't help ourselves, we think. Just like someone who's addicted to alcohol. Even though they know it's messing them up, they keep going back day after day. The same is true with ways of thinking. We can get stuck in certain ways of thinking. And even though we know if I start thinking about that, I'm going to get depressed and have a bad day, we do it anyhow. Because we're addicted to certain ways of thinking that get us worried and depressed. What has happened is our thoughts have flowed a certain way so long that they have dug a riverbed. And now our thoughts tend to flow in that direction all the time. And we wonder why. Hey, I'm a Christian. Why am I depressed? Hey, I'm a child of God. How come I'm not happy? I'm a child of God. Why is my life not improving? It's because our thoughts are flowing in a certain direction and they've dug a rut. And I've come to confuse you a little bit and tell you perhaps. Uh, uh, it may be confusing, but the fact is that's not the way that God's thoughts are flowing. And you need to get in sync with the flow of God's thoughts, the way that Jesus thought. As the Bible said, let this mind be in you which is in Christ Jesus. You need to think like Jesus thought. You need to flow in the manner that Jesus flowed in. Praise the Lord. And so our thoughts flowing in the same direction and creating these negative patterns, it's like programming our mind to a certain way of thinking. And it is, as I told you, it's a challenge to redirect. A river has dug a riverbed. It's kind of tough to... To, to divert that riverbed and go somewhere else. But that doesn't mean that it's impossible. And I'm telling you, it's important enough to say, I'm going to make the effort to be fit in my mind and my emotions, even as my body and my spirit are fit as well. Hallelujah. The good news is that you can redirect the river and reprogram your mind one thought at a time. Learn how to reject negative thoughts and thoughts of worry and thoughts of anxiety and fear and bitterness and replace these thoughts with positive expectations and faith-filled thoughts of victory. I'm talking about your life will be a lot better. I'm talking about you're going to feel better. 
I'm talking about you're going to begin to attract good things into your life. You're going to attract blessings into your life and relationships and friendships into your life that are going to enrich you. That if you learn how to reject negative thoughts about yourself, about your destiny, about your future, and replace them with thoughts about the goodness of God and the plans that He has for your life, then you can literally change the course and the direction of your life. Because my life goes in the direction of my thoughts. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Hey, you could go for an extreme makeover. Get a new hairstyle. Get your eyebrows pushed the other way. Big old fake eyelashes. Pastor Kim said he's going to do his hair like me. Because he says it looks relaxed at this part and it's celebrating in the front. Hey, you can go get a makeover, but that's not going to change your life. You can get on an exercise program. It'll make you feel a little better. The Bible says bodily exercise profiteth a little bit. But the thing that will transform your life is if you do what the Bible says and let God change the way that you think, He'll turn you into a brand new person. And I'm not talking about just obeying and responding to the gospel. But I'm talking about letting God execute His purpose in your life and fulfill what He has planned to do. The awesome thing is you get to choose your thought. Your way of thinking can be determined by you. Here's the problem. If you've been doing it so long, it's hard to reprogram, hard to redirect. But it doesn't mean it's impossible because you get to choose what you think about. If you don't believe it, let me read a few verses to you. Philippians 4 and 8 says, Whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. The apostle told us to think on certain things. Now, why would he tell you to think about certain things if you had no control over what you thought? Wouldn't that be an impossible situation? Wouldn't that be an impossible situation? That'd be like the Apostle Paul saying, if you love Jesus, go grab the moon and take it to him. Like, I love Jesus. But that moon's awful big, long ways away, and I don't believe I'm going to be able to do that. The Apostle Paul is telling you to do something that you can do. Control what you Think about Psalms 119.15 says, I will meditate. What does meditate mean? Reflect or ponder. I will meditate in thy precepts or God's teachings. Amen. And uh, have respect unto thy ways. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and 5, where it's talking about spiritual warfare, what we're able to do. It says, casting down imagination and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We can do this. We can bring our thoughts and make them serve us. Bring them into obedience of Christ. We can bring them into captivity. Amen. I heard this illustration used one time. that uh, Sometimes uh, men have problems with lust. And the problem is they let their mind run wild like a stallion that should be in a, in a, in a, uh, uh, in a cage or in a corral. And this is the way it is. Our thinking can destroy us sometime if it's out of control. And it's not just in the area of lust. It may be in the area of negativity. We let our mind run wild. In the area of worry, we let our mind run wild. The Bible says put it in the corral. Bring it into captivity so that the mind of Christ can be in you. It says bring it into captivity. Cast it down. It means don't dwell on it. Get rid of it immediately. I love this saying. I've said it many times, and you've heard it before. But my mother said, hey, 
you know what? You can not control whether or not a bird flies over your head, but you have control over whether or not it builds a nest in your hair. The point is you can't control a fleeting thought that comes by, but you have all control over what you sit and ponder and meditate upon. So the Word of God is telling us we can control what we meditate on. We can control what we ponder on. We can control the kinds of thoughts that we allow to linger in our mind. 1 Peter 1 and 13, the apostle declares to us, says, Gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. What does that mean? The New Living Translation says, So think clearly and exercise self-control. Exercise self-control in your thinking. Think the right way. Amen? If you think the right way, you can be emotionally and mentally fit, and God can have an opportunity to bless you where He didn't have opportunities before. The point I'm making is you get to choose what and how you think. You get to choose what you think about and the way that you think. And being fit for life in your mind and emotions requires learning to discipline your mind to think right. I wish I could say, come up here, I'm going to lay hands on you, I'm going to send a shikamashai on you, and I'm going to lay you out on the floor, and when you get up, you're going to be thinking different. And then after that, when you get up, I'm going to send another one on you, I'm going to throw you on the ground, when you get up, you're going to be 40 pounds lighter. But I said, man, I want to go to that church. See, God put it in our hands to have discipline. In our physical body and in our mind as well. I want to change you into a new person, but you've got to let God. He says, you've got to let me begin to change the way that you think. You've got to get into the habit. Everybody say habit. Of casting down negative thoughts, anxious, fearful thoughts of worry, and start believing what God says about you. Start believing what God has planned for you. Your brain is like a computer. It was not programmed for depression or negativity. Your brain was not programmed for worry or fear. The original programmer, who is your creator, created your brain and programmed you to eventually live with abundance of life or fullness of life. Health and happiness and peace was God's original plan. But we can go through life with low self-esteem and worries and fears and feelings of inadequacy and feelings of insecurity. But what we've got to do is we've got to reprogram our computer, reprogram the mental uh, computer that sends thoughts in a certain way and say, no, I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to think about despair. I'm not going to think about how things could go bad. I'm going to think about God and his promises and his will for my life. You have the power to do it. Some of you don't believe what I'm saying, but you have the power to control your destiny by controlling the way that you think. Amen? So how do I reprogram my brain for victory and peace? How do I do this? See, you've got to reprogram your brain so that you begin to think like Jesus thought. I've got to let my mental process be like Jesus' mental process was. I've got to think like Jesus thought. Philippians 2 and verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This is saying when Jesus was on the earth, he had a way of thinking. And you can observe his way of thinking and his attitude by his interactions with people. 
He says, study how Jesus responds. Study how Jesus' mind thought. And I want that kind of a mind to be in you. The New Living Translation of this verse says, your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. Your, your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. In 1 Corinthians 3 and 1, it says, we have the mind of Christ. So renewing my mind or changing the way that I think about being an imitator of Jesus Christ, what does this entail? How do I get the mind of Christ in me? The first thing you've got to do, and this may seem redundant, but you better start thinking positive thoughts. Start, no matter what you're faced with, think positive thoughts. Everybody say positive. Think positive thoughts because when Jesus was on the earth, he displayed a positive outlook and attitude. Anybody interested in what Jesus did? See, because how many are Christians? You, you, you want to be a Christian? What does a Christian, what does Christian mean? Christ-like or an imitator of Jesus Christ. So as Christians, what we're doing is we're letting Jesus' attitude and way of thinking. See, we can talk about everything else, but the most important thing today, outside of your personal experience with God and salvation, for your fitness, the most important thing is learning to think like Jesus thought. To let him transform you and make you into a new person by changing the way you think so that you think like Jesus thought. The apostle said if you can get Jesus' way of thinking, then it will transform your life. And what Jesus did is he displayed in his life a positive outlook and attitude, even when he was lied about, even when he was deserted by his friend, even when he was mocked and made fun of, even when he was persecuted, and when he went through many, many discouraging things, more discouraging than anything you'll ever go through. He remained positive. He kept an, uh, a positive mindset and was still dispersing uplifting comments and encouraging words. Do you want to see a, a person's spiritual maturity and Christ-likeness? Let, look at them when they're going through adversity, when they're going through tough times, when things aren't going like they thought that they would. If they can keep the attitude, the upbeat, the uh, positive attitude that Jesus Christ had through adversity, then you're seeing somebody who has learned to let Jesus change them by changing the way that they think. Amen? The mind of Christ is positive, and any time we get negative, we're not operating with the mind of Christ. See, when, when we think about how Jesus thought, we know that Jesus was God. And so whatever way his thoughts were flowing is the way God's thoughts are flowing. And if we want to be in sync, in flow, in the groove with God, then we have to let our thoughts flow the way that his thoughts are flowing. And God's thoughts are positive. God's thoughts are faith-filled. God's thoughts are thoughts of victory and ultimate triumph. And no matter what turmoil and mess and turbulence and rapids you're going through right now, there's an ultimate direction to the flow. So if my brain is used to thinking negative and God's brain is used to thinking positive, then I'm not in sync and I'm not in flow with God's thoughts. And if I want to be emotionally and mentally fit, if I want fitness in my soul, I've got to learn that a negative mindset is not the mind of Christ. It may not even be possible to be depressed without being negative. 
even clinical depression gets worse based on how you think. See, because here's the deal. God wants to lift us up. Satan wants to press us down. God wants to give us abundant life. Satan wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Psalms chapter 3 and verse 3 said that God is the lifter of your head. God has come to lift you up. Get your mind in sync with what God is doing in your life. Get your mind and your emotions in sync with what God is trying to accomplish in your life. Instead of falling into the trap, falling into the trap of being deceived by the enemy into thinking that God wants you depressed and discouraged. And that this is your lot in life and nothing can change. God is the lifter of your head. He's trying to get you to think a different way. Amen. He sent your pastor here today to make it plain to you. It's time for you to change the way that you think. Change the direction and the pathway of your thoughts. Amen. Depressed means to lower your spirit. And all of us have opportunities to think negative thoughts. All of us go through difficult things. But thinking negative thoughts will not help anything. They press us down further. And I want you to remember, as I said before, negative feelings come from thinking negative thoughts because your emotions are affected by your mind and fitness of soul. It's real simple. Remember I told you it's simple. It's easy to discover, easy to understand, a little harder to execute. But the reality is, if you want to be fit in your soul, learn to think the right thoughts. Change the way you think. Learn to think positive. Learn to think with faith. Learn to think with positive expectancy. Learn to think better about yourself. I'm not talking about being arrogant or self-centered, but I don't think it pleases God when we mouth off to ourselves. Amen? Don't go around thinking about how people have hurt you and the mistakes that you've made in your past and expect to have a happy life and reflect God's glory. It won't happen. You've got to learn to dwell on the fact that God has a great future in store for you. I want you to point at yourself right now. Say, hey, buddy. Uh, Hey, sweetheart. You need to realize something. Come on, talk to yourself. God has a great plan for you, buddy. God has some awesome things in store for you. You know what? What's coming is going to be better than what has been. The Bible says it this way, your ladder shall be greater than the past. Whatever is behind me, as far as water under the bridge, is one thing. But buddy, God has good plans. See, that's the way to think. That's the way Jesus wants you to think. Let this mind be in you. Amen? Jesus says, my friend may turn their back on me. I may be sweating great drops of blood as it is. I may be facing the cross tomorrow and know that it's going to happen. But there's something coming. God has a plan. I said God has a plan and something is happening and you need to convince yourself and believe and realize that God has a plan for your life. He wants to lift your head. Amen. Satan wants you depressed. He wants you expecting the worst. God wants you excited and expecting the best to wake up every day and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. That means I'm going to be happy because Satan didn't make this day. Jesus made this day. Flow with God. Learn to flow and be in sync and groove with God. In order to do this, you've got to start thinking positive. I want the mind of Jesus to be in me. Yeah, God can provide. Yeah, God's going to take care of it. 
Yeah, God's going to bless and touch. Yeah, God's healing is there for me. I'm in flow with God. Yeah, but yeah, but what about this? What about that? I refuse that thinking. I cast down those thoughts because those didn't come from God. I think there's somebody crouched over in a corner throwing fiery darts my direction. I reject those. I cast them down. I throw them aside because I'm flowing with Jesus. His mind is going to be in me. So part of this reprogramming or changing the flow is every time a negative or discouraging thought pops into your mind, here's what you ought to do. Just try this for a while. You have to be conscious. You have to think about what you're thinking about. Every time a negative thought, depressing thought, discouraging thought pops into your mind, try this. As soon as it comes in, use that prompt as an opportunity to thank God that victory is on the way. Oh, it's getting worse. Things are getting worse. Well, thank you, Jesus. Because I know that you got a plan. And I know that something good is on its way. Oh, I'm not feeling very good. Well, thank you, Jesus. Because, look, God has a plan. I challenge you to try this next week. Whenever you begin to think that you're not going to get over your addiction, begin to say, thank you, Jesus, because I know you got a plan for my life. And your word said that I'm not junk, I'm not waste, I'm not refuse, but I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And you didn't create me to throw my life away. You created me with a plan and a purpose. And I refuse to think the way that Satan wants me to think. Thank you, Jesus, that you got a plan. Thank you that you got my future mapped out before me. Oh, come on, somebody praise my Lord. Hallelujah. Learn to be careful what you think about. Be extremely careful what you allow yourself to think about. And be especially careful what you say. I'm not going to spend any time on this, but it's important that you don't say things that agree with Satan. You idiot, you never get anything right. See, God's not pleased because our words are like seeds. Man, don't talk about your problems, talk about the solution. I know of people, they celebrate their problems. They celebrate what's going wrong in their life. And they wonder why they're always depressed. And they wonder why things never get better. Because they celebrate their issues and their problems. I'm telling you, it's time to celebrate the God that can deliver you from your issues. And the promises in His Word that have promised that He will deliver you from it. Did Jesus worry? Should we worry? See, we're talking about mental and emotional health. Anxiety and worry are attacks on the mind intended to distract us from serving the Lord. It's, uh, it is absolutely impossible to worry and live in peace at the same time. As I said, some people are addicted to ways of thinking. Some people are addicted to worry. It has become a part of their life. They worry, 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 worry. And I'm going to... Just mentioned to you, the Bible doesn't want you to worry. How do you know, Brother Brown? Where, where does it say worry? The word worry in, in the King James Version is, is translated several ways, and it's usually said we shouldn't do it. Like, fret not, take no ought, be careful for nothing, casting all your cares on him. What does worry mean? Worry means to feel uneasy or troubled. 
or to torment oneself with disturbing thoughts. Have you ever done this before? This is really weird. I've discovered this in the last few years in myself. That I can think about something that is negative, that may turn out to be bad. And I find myself feeling worried or anxious because of something I was thinking about. A feeling comes after it. I think about this impending possibility. And then the feelings of worry come on. And, and, and check this out. Yeah, I've got a lot of things going on. My, my brain's distracted. I've got all kinds of things going on. And I'm walking around feeling this worry. And I can't remember what it was that prompted those feelings. And I'm stressed, but I can't remember what I'm stressed. I, can anybody relate to one? I, I feel worried, but I can't really even remember. It takes me a minute. What was it that got me feeling this way? Okay. Oh, yeah, that's what. See, this is just proving the point that our thoughts produce these emotions. Our thoughts produce these feelings of worry. And if I can learn to think like Jesus thought and like Jesus wants us to think and cast my worry and my care on him, then I can live free from this emotionally crippling thing called worry and fear. Satan wants to steal your abundant life. And worry is an attack from Satan on your mind. But remember, you get to choose your thought. Just quickly, think of the words of Jesus, Matthew 6, 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. Check them out. God takes care of them. Don't you think you're more important to God than the birds of the air? What this verse is saying, by the way, these are the words of Jesus. And the words of Jesus reflect the thinking process of Jesus. Jesus is saying that there is nothing in life that you are to worry about. Not a single aspect of your life needs to be worried about. After all, nothing is gained from worrying. A few verses later it says, Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? You can't worry one more hour onto your life. And one of Satan's favorite phrases to repeat in the ears of God's people is, What are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about that? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? But the Bible teaches us not to worry or to fret. See, Jesus didn't do it. And if you want to expect God's favor and provision in your life, get rid of worry and exercise your faith. And finally, the last thing is I want to mention something that is potentially the greatest threat to your mental and emotional fitness. We're talking about being fit for life. And what I'm talking about is resentment and bitterness or unforgiveness. I don't have time to fully fully explore all the things that can affect your emotional and mental fitness, but just briefly... Some people have a pattern of thinking that makes them like a piece of flypaper. Anybody ever seen the flypaper before? What happens when those nasty, stinky flies come by and they land? They're stuck. You might as well pack it in. Call the family. Might as well make the arrangements. Make sure your wheel's set. Because fly, you ain't going nowhere. You are stuck for good. And there are people who everything 
negative or bad that's happened to them. When it comes and lands on them and leaves a stink and aggravates or frustrates them, rather than letting it go, it sticks to them and with them forever. And in order to be emotionally and mentally fit, you have to learn how to let go of the past because it's what you're holding on to that is destroying you. Whether it was abuse or an unhealthy family situation, or lack of educational opportunities, or maybe your spouse left you, maybe you were hurt by a minister or by somebody in the church or you lost a family member. We all have negative things happen to us. And we could very well have a chip on our shoulder or a flypaper full of nasty flies. And yours may be worse than anything I've ever experienced, and you totally did not deserve it. But if you want to be emotionally fit, you cannot use past emotional wounds as an excuse for poor choices today. You can't use what happened in the past as an excuse for your bad attitude. You can't use what happened in the past as your reason or rationale for refusing to forgive someone. In order to be fit emotionally, you have to let go of the past. The poisons of the past that could destroy your life if you hold on to them. And the only way you can let go is to forgive. And you forgive for emotional health. Take what God has given you. Say, well, I didn't get a great education. And I didn't get a great upbringing. I was mistreated and abused. And I was stuck with this terrible hand in life. Take what God has given you and make the most of it. To change your way of thinking. To think like Jesus thought. You have to learn to change the channel. Don't sit and watch and relive all the hurts and disappointments like watching a movie. You got your popcorn and your soda. Oh, I love tragedies. Oh, I can remember how much that hurt. It still hurts. Pity party, living there, sitting there, reliving it over and over and over and over again until you're full of bitterness. Learn to change the channel. Don't let your mind or your emotions drag you into despair, but learn to dwell on the good things that God has done in your life. This is the overall key to being emotionally and mentally fit, learning to change the channel on your thinking, learning to refuse to dwell, Learn to refuse to let your mind go that direction and refuse to watch the negativity from your life or the worry or the resentment. What channel should I watch? Philippians 4 and 8 says, channel 48. And now, dear brothers and sisters, let me say one more thing as I close this letter. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure. Ha! And lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise or makes you want to celebrate. If you want to be fit for life, if you want a life that is attractive to people, if you want a life that people says, whatever they got, I want. Be fit in your body. But be fit in your soul or your mind and your emotions as well. I want us to stand together right now. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening so attentively. King David was a man who God blessed 
abundantly. King David was a man who saw the kingdom of Israel expand ten times from its original size when he took over until he turned the reins of the kingdom over to Solomon, expanded ten times. God blessed him with great miracles. He had a life that was so very admirable. But you know from the life of David that he faced some very difficult times, some adverse situations, some long trials that seemed like they would never end. But I like his attitude. I like the way David thought. In Psalms 143 and 3 it says, the psalmist David declares, The enemy pursued me. He crushed me to the ground. He made me dwell in darkness. Depression. Despair. Fear. He made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. I felt like a corpse. I felt like a carcass. So my spirit grows faint within me. Anything bad that could happen is happening. My circumstances are horrible. My heart within me is dismayed. Verse 5. David says, you know what I'm going to do? He says, I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works. I ponder and think about the good things that God has done. I consider what your hands have done. I spread out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched lamb. In the middle of my trial, where the enemy has me intimidated and fearful, feeling like a person that's been dark and dead, I remember the good things that the Lord has done. I ponder His works in my life. I think about the goodness of God. David says, I refuse to let my circumstances control my thinking. And when I feel despair and darkness, I said, I choose to think about the goodness of the Lord. I choose to think about His provision. I choose to think about this. And while I'm thinking, I want to reach for Him. I want to reach for His presence. I want to feel His Spirit. I want to be cleansed and encouraged and strengthened. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord, I thank my God. I thank my God that I don't have to be depressed. I thank my God that I don't have to be negative and I don't have to settle for a life of lack. I thank my God that I don't have to be full of real worry and anxiety. But in the midst of the trials of my life, in the midst of my circumstances, I can think of the goodness of God. I can think of His power and His blessings and how He is going to provide for me. Hallelujah. Sister Christina sings for just a moment. I want to give you an opportunity to come talk to the Lord. I know that usually during the sermon series we don't have an altar call, but right now I feel the Spirit of the Lord wanting to minister. I feel God wanting to give hope to somebody that the enemy has stolen your hope. And the Word of God has come to give you hope, to give you freshness of expectation. Now I want you to stretch forth your hands to the Lord as David did and say, God, my soul is thirsty for you. I'm tired of what this world has offered me. I'm tired of what uh, my life has given me. But God, I thirst for you. Come on, that's it right now. Let's move to the front. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus.
pray specifically right now. And in just a moment, I want you to find someone nearby or a couple people and to join with them in prayer. Because there are people who have desired things for your life. And you've desired for God's will to be accomplished in your life. But your mind has not been a willing accomplice. Your way of thinking and your emotions and issues from your past have been holding you at bay. The Spirit of the Lord, the Word of God has challenged you today to let God make you into a a new person. Let let God bring that freshness of life to you by changing the way that you think. I'm going to say a prayer right now based on the Word of God and based on making a, a, a commitment to challenge the way that you deal with situations in your life and you deal with negative thoughts. I'm going to pray and ask God to let His mind be in you. To let the Spirit of God execute a transformation in your life through the Spirit of the Lord. I want you to join with somebody right now. Find somebody to pray with. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord, the Spirit of God is about to minister to you. The Spirit of the Lord is about to give you hope where the enemy has stolen it from. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Okay, now we're getting ready to pray. We're getting ready to pray in the Spirit. And I want you to pray for that person next to you. You never know. That person right next to you may have been wanting to serve God for so long, but their mind, their way of thinking has been fighting against them. But in the name of Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Ghost, I pray that you would give that person wisdom right now to make those decisions, to change the way that they think, to change the thought processes conceptual ponderings in their mind in the name of Jesus Christ God we're going to do our part but we're asking right now for your spirit to, to change that person change that sister God bring hope into the life of that brother right now hallelujah hey I'm coming out Hey, I'm coming out of what Satan's trying to do. I'm coming out. I'm going to be a new person in Jesus Christ. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Come on, let's it. cry out to God right now. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, bring about a transformation. Lord, accomplish your will and your purpose in my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
what you've done. discipline in my life my body and in my soul my mind and emotions Jesus I thank you Lord for what you've done today thank you for speaking to me Lord help us to realize that your plan is better than we can imagine that your plan is for progress and moving forward and we reject the enemy's thoughts and mindset let us be people of faith People of great expectations, people full of your spirit, full of faith, like Barnabas and Stephen in the New Testament. I ask this in the name of Jesus. I ask that you'd go with each family member, each person, each saint of God, each visitor, Lord God, that have been ministered to by the Spirit of God. Thank you for being here with us today. Thank you that we can feel the closeness of your presence, the tender touch of the Holy One. God, I pray as we leave this place, as we're dismissed, Jesus, that you'd keep your hand upon us. Protect us. Bring us back safely. Not just physically safe, but spiritually, Lord. Spare the young ones. Spare the babes from the attack of the enemy. Protect them, Lord. Put a hedge around their mind. In the name of Jesus Christ, be a fence about them, Lord. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord, we thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness. God, we also ask that you would bless the food downstairs that we're about to partake of, that you would bless the hands that have prepared of Jesus and the cause for which it was made. We ask all this in the precious name that's above all names, the name that possesses all power in heaven and in earth, the name that encapsulates your secret plan that was unfolded in Calvary. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. You're welcome to continue praying and worshiping.